The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music. I am here with my co-host Brendan. Today we have a special guest for you. We are very lucky to have with us on the call Dan Lorenzo. You may know him from some of his uh, past projects, but today we're talking about his new project, Patriarchs in Black. Uh, it is the new album, My Veneration, that's just dropped. Fantastic release. We want to discuss it. We want to hear about that. We're also going to talk about some of the past bands he's in. We'll get into that in a little bit. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Anytime. Um, so just for anyone who doesn't know the project or hasn't heard anything about it, do you want to tell us a little bit about Patriarchs in Black and what you do in the in the band? So Patriarchs in Black is um, kind of a, a different sort of a project. It's, it's a, a bunch of different singers, like 12 different singers between the two albums and maybe like 10 different bass players. So the only constants are myself. I, I play guitar and I write the music. Okay, um, and then there's Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative and Danzig. He plays the drums on every song, and I play the guitar on every song. And uh, this is our second album. And I was in a band called Hades, was my first band I started, and then Nonfiction. Then I did some solo records. Then I did The Curse with Bobby Blitz. And the last couple of years, I've been doing Vessel of Light and Cassius King. But uh, my last two albums are Patriarchs in Black, Reach for the Scars, and then the brand new one, Patriarchs in Black, My Veneration. And what was sort of the inspiration behind this particular project? What made you want to make something of this sound and style? Um, not really so much an inspiration, just uh, a necessity that I've been writing so many songs, and we did four records with Vessel of Light in three years, and then the singer Nathan moved from Cleveland to Austin, Texas. And I was like paying for him to fly here and paying for him, his hotels and stuff. And we did like 10 shows and then COVID hit and Nathan moved to Austin. And then um, I had a band called Cassius King with Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys. And um, hmm. we released two albums quickly and I just kept writing and writing. And the guys, you know, everybody else is like, Everybody I work with is either a professional musician or they're, you know, they have a bunch of other bands. So I just kept writing songs. So I had been thinking about asking Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative and Danzig to play drums for me for years. And I actually mentioned it to Bobby Blitz from Overkill and Blitz said, man, he'd be the perfect drummer for your riffs. And Blitz was right. That's oh, great. Yeah. And, and just, uh, you've been enjoying working together since then? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, we did a, we did one record that came out last summer and then, you know, the other ones came out, you know, less than less than a year and a half later. So, yeah, it's fun. That's, That's awesome. definitely sweet. Yeah. That, that I want to make a, to the music. a quick comment. So I was listening to um, Reach for the Scars and okay. in my car and quite often, sometimes like I hit a bump and my car play kicks off and kicks on the radio. And the album ends with cashmere and i was like god damn radio fucking car play whatever and then i was like whoa like wow that's that's god damn that was it was awesome it was it was a great moment in my my little life right there so thank, thank you. you yeah it's like similar to the zeppelin version but different you know yeah 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 i was like wait what nah 
huh? And yeah, it made me do a double take. So you've done some pretty cool collaborative stuff over the years, but obviously I want to talk about the single, Veneration. Uh, working with DMC, how did that come about? So there's this guy in Florida who makes videos. His name is Craig Safola, and he was working on an Exodus home video. And the Exodus drummer, Tom Hunting, I don't know if you remember, he got cancer a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the things on his bucket list was to put out a solo album of cover songs. Okay. So it's all cover songs, but in the middle of one of the songs um, called Jungle Love by somebody, it was in the Prince movie, I think, um, DMC, who's a big metalhead, he did a rap, an original rap for Tom Hunting from Exodus. And they needed somebody to write something underneath the rap. I think they asked a few other people. I'm not sure what the story exactly was, but all I know is I went in to record something behind DMC and Tom Hunting loved it. The, uh, the video guy, Craig, loved it. And then DMC loved it. So we filmed a video for the song. And it was the first time I ever met DMC in person. And we, you know, really nice guy. I'm like, man, would you want to do something together one day? And he's like, you know, send me, send me some music. So I kept sending him things and nothing really hit him. And then when I sent him this song, Veneration, he's like, that's the one. He's like, I want to, I want to rap to that one. Or, you know, I want to be on that song. So, uh, you know. And I, when I asked him how much money he needed, because I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be rough. He's like, no, man, I don't need any money. Just, you know, make sure I get my fair percentage for, you know, publishing and, uh, and sound exchange. I'm like, awesome. You know, just great, great guy. Hell yeah. That's really cool. I'm a big fan of Run DMC. So I thought that was really cool that yeah, you managed to, to make that happen. And also, I think that that style of collaboration between uh, heavy metal and, and uh, hip, old school hip hop, it was different in the 80s and 90s to to how it is now uh like the blending i don't know the blending of the two genres doesn't sound the same now a lot of modern stuff um but i like the way that you guys did it it was more of an old school feel yeah i appreciate that and uh what's so exciting is i was just uh texting the other night with dmc and he's like hey man my producer's got another piece of music I want to send you for you to play guitar on. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I'm texting oh, DMC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's really my cool. buddy now, you know? It's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I feel like um, it was, um, it, you know, having the mashup and the vocals and all that, like, but it wasn't like a traditional mashup, you know? Yeah, I mean, he wrote something completely original to it. and, and Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, and he, he asked me, like, what, what's the song going to be about? Like, what's the singer? The singer is Mark Sunshine. And I just told him, basically, you know, the, the track veneration means, you know, I, I'm referring to music. You know, veneration means respect and reverence and, and love. And it's, you know, what do you love, though? What, what's your veneration? And, and in this case, it was music, you know? Right, right. Oh, that's awesome. So, because, like, when I was... I, I, listen to it and I was just like, hey, this doesn't sound like what I thought it would. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, 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 it had different styles in it, but it just came out really cool, I think. You know, well, like, right, right, right. Because like when you think like, you know, run DMC, you're like hip hop and like groovy beats and, you know, like, and it, it wasn't like that. You know, it was just like, wow, this is sick. You know, it was really good. So cool, man. Yeah. D, D loves metal. So, you know. I'm definitely, I definitely, I would definitely work with him again, but it, we're really, everybody was really excited to work with him, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. No, it was like, I was expecting something different, you know what I mean? Just because of like, you know, you read the, you read the words 
And then you hear it and you're like, oh shit, like this is, it was really fucking awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. With the, uh, with the album at the moment, it's, I see this digital stuff, but, um, are you going to do physical formats with vinyl, cassettes, uh, CD, any of that sort of thing? Yeah. The CD came out on a German label called the MDD records. It'll be available in uh, America, uh, the first week of November. Um, you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And then the vinyl, vinyl, it takes so damn long to come out. And, uh, we just got, I just finalized the vinyl deal like two weeks ago. So the vinyl probably won't be out until March or April, but, uh, the first album came out on vinyl and CD as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've talked about this on the, sh- on the show with many guests. Uh, it's crazy how long the delay is now, final house blowing out. Cause it used to be like a couple of months max, uh, you'd have it in hand and now it's like, like half a year minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in America, I think right now they're at nine months behind schedule. Wow. Still. That's crazy. Yeah, I feel like yeah. this problem happened like three years ago. Yeah, I mean, everybody uses COVID as an excuse for all the supply chains, right? Like, but yeah. like, it we're beyond that. Like, I had that problem, um, you know, trying to find plastic cups, but now I got so many plastic cups, like it doesn't, like I, I don't know what to do with. You know what I mean? It's, so, it's a little different though because the the supply chain issue with vinyl isn't just the actual pressing issue it's there's a sourcing issue for the materials to actually make it but the other right. thing is the, the popularity rise in vinyl has caused a lot of this bottleneck so all these big artists with these massive orders are getting in uh like taylor swift and uh adele and you know that sort of stuff and they're completely jamming up the system i mean you look at a band right. like, like like your size dan um and it's going to be like a you know a limited sort of run with a reasonable number of vinyls that you're going to be putting through these people order like hundreds of thousands uh, of vinyl at a time. It's, it's just, it's, it's, and they're, they're the same plants that you're competing with as a small artist. So, right, right. This is true. You sound like you know about what you're talking about, Mister Sweet Love. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I kind of work in the supply chain space a little bit with my job. So, I, okay, really like yeah. we've talked about it. Like, should we invest in a vinyl press and start doing small shit? Yeah, it's really cheap, from what I hear. Super, God, dude. We, I, I looked into it. It was like three hundred k for a single press that would like um, be half automated. Mm. So someone still has to be there to do stuff. Right, right. Yeah, well, uh, I wanted to ask as well. Obviously, you worked with Bobby Blitz in the cast. Uh, how, how did that come about? Because I'm a huge Overkill fan, so I'd love to hear how, how that collaboration came together. So Blitz and I, you know, we came up in the same scene in New Jersey, and uh, the original version of Hades played a couple shows with uh, Overkill, like probably as way back 1982, 83. And then we, uh, when the real Hades came out, we put out Resisting Success in 87. We did a couple shows with Overkill, but my second band I formed was Nonfiction. And uh, Blitz and Didi were both really big fans of nonfiction, and they were nice enough to take us out on tour in Europe and America in 1993. And um, Blitz and I just hit it off, you know. Out of all the guys, there's you know two two different bands, and plus we had Sabotage there. The guy I stayed and, and talked with the most after the tour was Blitz. We got really friendly. And when I released my first solo album in 2001, he told me how much he loved it. 
And uh, then he sang a song on the second, my second solo album called Nice Being Alone. There's a song called Too Fast for Hate that Blitz sings on. And then mm-hmm. around 2006, he said, you know, he was ready to do a record with me. So uh, we started jamming. And uh, next thing you know, we had like, immediately we had like three or four songs and we recorded them. And uh, we got a record deal pretty quickly. And uh, we only did one show, one real show together. So that's why a lot of people don't know about The Cursed. And it, it um, it's out of print now. And, you know, Blitz and I, we talk every now and then. He, he I'd like to get it re-released. But, um, you know, he, he's not going to do it for like, you know, $500 or something. And he needs real money to have his records out there, which I understand. Yeah. But, um, and then I asked him to sing on the uh, Patriarchs in Black album. But his his mantra is he doesn't want to be one of many. Like I'm like I sent him a song. I'm like, do you like it? He's like, I love it. I'm like, so will you sing it? And he's like, for who? For Patriarchs of Black? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, nah. He's like, you got you got ten different singers. I don't want to be one of many. You know? I'm like, oh, all right. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so that's my story with Blitz. That's cool though. <laughs> I mean, it's cool that you work with him. Yeah. Did you? You were saying before bands you play with. Did you say Sabotage with the V C S A V A T A G E. Yeah, Sabotage from Florida, who became Trans Siberian Orchestra. I love Sabotage. Uh, okay, the, well, their their yeah. last ever European tour with Chris Oliva, we we flew to um, let me see, all the bands landed in London, and then the first show was in Munich, I believe, and MTV Europe was there. And Chris Oliva asked me, he said, "Hey, man, my equipment is not here yet. Can I, you know, the show's starting? Can I use your equipment?" I said, "Of course." He's like, "I'll tell you what." He's like, "Are you a drinker? You know, you party?" I said, "Not at all." And he said. All right, we're quiet. You want to you want to be on our bus? There's some more room in here. Why don't you stay in our bus? So, I was the last Chris Oliver before he died. I was the last guy who toured Europe and stayed on a bus with him. Wow! And uh, you know he's real. He's a great guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Whole of the Whole of the Mountain King is one of my favorite classic oh, albums. Yeah. Like it's just it's just so good. John uh, he was so into it. I remember Chris would play me stuff on the bus. Like I'd play him a nonfiction song. And he'd be like, and he'd play like, and I always liked every sabotage, whatever the album was called. I always liked every title cut so much, you know? Right. It, they were one of those bands that had a couple of vocalist changes and I never, I could never get into like, um, what's his name? Was it Zachary Stevens? You know, um, he's a really nice guy. Um, and that's the he he and I we toured with when Zach was in the band. But I know if you're a purist, you like uh, John Oliva, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just he's just got more of like a bite to his sound because I, I always felt that like Zachary is a little cleaner. Um, yeah, he, so, was. he like, definitely is. Yeah, I just I missed the like because John had the the high pitch stuff, which was awesome, but he also had that other like the, more, the deeper vocal style that that had the more of a, a bite to it. Yeah. So when we talk about older stuff, is there any uh, newer bands that you've kind of been playing with or touring with that have stood out to you that, that people should maybe check out? You know, as I get older, man, when I was younger, I remember being so into Kiss and old Aerosmith and ACDC, Highway to Hell, and then Judas Priest, and then, you know, Slayer and all those bands. But um, as I get older, I feel like maybe I don't even like bands anymore. I just like songs by bands. I, I No one band huh. really sticks out of my mind that I really would like, you know, no new band that would I, I think that, oh, God, I'd love to go on tour with them. Honestly, I feel bad saying that, but it's the truth, you know? All right. Well, what about uh, songs? Like, what are some, some tracks that have like, hit you like, in the last uh, sort of year or so? Oh, man. 
Uh, you know, if you list, looked at my Spotify playlist, you'd be shocked. Um, it goes from like Slayer to uh, who were we just listening to? Bobby Smurder. You know, a lot of hip hop, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Dr. Dre, a lot of Ice Cube, and then a lot. <laughs> I'm into like classic rock. My my wife loves yacht rock, and I'm I'm okay with that. So like, um, <laughs> like I'm trying to think like the song by Static X, Stem. I freak out for that song. But there's no other song by them that I ever really held on to, that I really grasped onto. And it's like, so like, I love Clutch. I'd say Clutch is a band or Alice in Chains I would love to do shows with, you know? That was right, right. Yeah, I just saw Alice in Chains is uh, touring right now with Guns N' Roses. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, which should be uh, some heavy hitters on that one. Definitely. That's not a cheap ticket, huh? No, <laughs> no that's stadium stuff, like uh, the yeah. stadium prices. Yeah, 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 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brendan, did you have uh, some of those questions you always like to ask? Oh, oh well, um, so listening to um, Reach for the Scars and um, my uh, variation, Reach for the Scars had more of like a classic kind of like total rock anthem all the way through it. Um, what was with the... Um, what what inspired the slow little change in direction with uh, the new album? Well, you know, I think it's always dependent on what the singers come up with. Like, um, there's only two songs on Reach for the Scars and two songs on My Veneration where I wrote, like, the lyrics and the melody as well as the music. Okay. So, really, um, everything else other than those four songs, the singers wrote, wrote the songs with me. So it's kind of always dependent on what the singer comes up with. And so far, we've been lucky if we work with like, I don't, I guess it's, I have to count it. I guess it's like 10 different singers. Nobody came up with anything. They were like, ah, oh, that's no good. Like we actually were really happy with every, what everybody came up with. And I was thinking about it. It could be because instead of asking a guy, a singer to write, you know, write the music and lyrics for 10 songs, you're only asking them to, you know, write the music and lyrics for one or two songs. So like you get their best stuff. And okay. I was thinking, like, some of my friends like, yeah, would you do The Cursed again? Would you do Vessel of Light again? And I'm like, you know, right now, it's really fun working with, you know, five or six or seven different singers each album because you get so many different styles. So there's, there was no conscious effort on my part to do anything different. It's just, it's dependent. You know, I write the music, but the singers come up with the lyrics and the melody, you know, for the most part, for most All of right. So it's just, you know, it's it's like if we asked somebody else, to like if we asked uh, I don't know to say Don Henley or you know somebody like from the Eagles to sing they would come up with something commercial but then if you ask Phil from Pantera you get something really heavy you know so it was always like all right it's always like you know my riffs and then depending upon what the singer comes up with that that dictates the direction of the song you know okay all right so that totally makes a lot of sense now hell yeah well because like not knowing how it was written you're like. I mean, they're all amazing. And then knowing your love for single tracks, it makes, um, you know, yeah, that's great. Thanks, man. Hell yeah. Then um, what has, um, have you ever had uh, like a musician that you, you haven't used anything? You don't have to name them if it's happened yeah, or whatever. We, ha- we had a few different singers. Uh, try to sing Immigrant Song, the Led Zeppelin cover, before Mark Sunshine stepped in. I think we had four different people sing it, and it just didn't sound right. I mean, it's a hard song to sing. 
Immigrant Song was a single we released, as well as uh, Friends, uh, another Zeppelin cover with Militia Vox. In between the two albums, we released a couple cover singles. So, um, yeah, the covers, we've had people like, we, they sang them and we're like, eh, it's not right. It's not working, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, have you, um, what has been, uh, do you have like your, like, what's your favorite, like, cover song? Like, my favorite, well, I think the version, if you check out, um, Patriarchs and Black Friends. We have a video for that. It's Militia Vox singing it, and that's that's pretty hard to beat because it's like the first time in my life I worked with a female vocalist singing lead, and she just crushed it. And the song was actually nominated for a Grammy a couple oh, wow. weeks ago. We didn't make it to the final round, but it was it was in the consideration pool. Like when they they pick like four hundred songs or four hundred and fifty songs for consideration, and our song was like. I think number 320. So we didn't make it to the next round, but just, just to say that, you know, we were up for consideration for a Grammy. Oh, yeah. yeah. For Patriarchs and Black, Black Friends. So you guys, you got to check that out sometime, the video. Yeah. 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 I'll definitely check it out for sure. Now, I feel like I've listened to it because I tried to prepare a little bit by listening to all your tunes, you know? Yeah. It's out there for sure. Digitally. <laughs> nice. Um, Going around in, um, you know, playing all kinds of live venues. Um, what's been your favorite venue from like past days, and then uh, favorite venue from playing with your new band now? Um, well, there's a club in Ding in New Jersey called Dingbats, it's owned by like the nicest guy in the history of the world. But one of the clubs I miss, uh, where my wife and I used to hang out, we used to believe it or not. You know, now we wake up so early, but we used to go out on Sunday nights at like we start our evenings at like nine thirty or ten o'clock at night, and, and we'd head to the Limelight in New York City, and that was something about that was just so cool and magical. And there was like a little VIP room that held maybe maybe fifty people, and it wasn't the easiest thing to get into unless you know you were a pretty real pretty girl, or maybe you were one of the guys in the bands that was kind of somewhat popular. So. Yeah. Um, We'd hang out there, and I, I miss the limelight. Those those are fun times. Although now I go to bed when I would have uh, probably just been arriving to the limelight. You know. <laughs> nice. And then, um, what? What's what your sweet uh... love? Did he fall asleep? I'm here. I just uh, oh, then okay. Brendan asked some questions. I'll, I'll jump back <laughs> in in a minute. <laughs> I wanted to make sure James was still there, man. No, I'm here. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, what do we got here? I was going to ask, um, so what is, um, your favorite song to play live? Um, let's see. I don't know if you guys heard of my other band, Vessel of Light, but there's a song called Meat and Bone and the Son of Man. Those, those two were like so fun, but I haven't played any shows um patriarchs of black hasn't played any shows because johnny kelly's the drummer for quiet riot every weekend and they're playing so i haven't played any shows since literally when the covid shutdown happened vessel of light oh, no shit. Oh, wow. right. yeah patriarchs of black kind of can't play live because you know there's 10 different singers 10 different bassists you know and everybody lives all over the world like you know we have a singer from switzerland on, on the song my veneration who sings part of it so we Patriarchs of Black hasn't played any shows yet. It's it's more like you know, almost like a steely band, like a studio. Studio. Uh, totally gotcha. All right. Yeah. 
has I there um, wait, wait, wait. oh sorry Brendan go ahead oh well I was gonna say uh or ask um has there is there anybody um that you uh want to work with that you haven't yet yeah Phil from Pantera you know I, I text with Rex Brown and I would never ask Rex to ask Phil but before the Pantera uh, reunion happened I was like maybe I gotta get a hold of Phil and I couldn't get a hold of him I never got a hold of him and uh Nobody ever really went out on my behalf, but um, we opened my band nonfiction opened up for Pantera in New York City in '91, and I met Phil a year later, and he actually sang me one of my songs, which is really thrilling. But uh, he's Phil is definitely one of my favorite singers. I know it would never happen at this point, you know, financially it just isn't feasible. But I, I'd love to write a song with him, you know. Hell yeah! What's uh, what? What do you think of the the lineup for that Pantera reunion tour? Like, the, do you think they picked the right people? Like, there's a good selection. Yeah, I do. I mean, there's probably was nobody else to pick other than Zach and mm. and I was texting Rex when they first played their couple shows, and I was like, man, I was, I'm this is really fucking good. And he's like, hey man, like, what are you surprised? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I guess Charlie. I, I don't pay as much attention to the drums. I just know Zach Wilde was the perfect choice. And, uh, you know, I, I do think it's weird that, you know, the way everything left off with Diamond Vinny not wanting a reunion. Yeah. But I guess for the fans, it's making the fans happy. And I guess Dimebag's uh, fiance gets some money. And, you know, um, they, when I listen to their videos, I mean, it fucking sounds great. It sounds really heavy and sounds, you know, true and original to what Pantera was. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see both sides of the argument for and against it. Like, I get that, like, you know, they said what you just mentioned, that they didn't want the reunion thing. But at the same time, yeah. I see the other argument that there's a whole generation of listeners who are fans who never had the chance to see them. You know what I mean? They've never seen the, the band perform. All these younger guys who discovered Pantera after uh, the band broke up have never had a chance to see the music live. So, I understand yeah, I agree with that. that I, could, I see both sides as well. Yeah. Um, and then, and then with, with the Phil thing, like you can say what you want about him, but what I will say about him, he's always been a massive supporter of the underground. Um, yep. Sure. And he's, he's really gone above and beyond to, to put like bands on bills who haven't really made it or who haven't gotten attention. So I wish there was more of that in the scene from, from bigger names like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. He definitely looks out for the scene. You're right. And, and so did, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking from uh, Black Dahlia Murder um friend in the, the vocalist trevor 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 um trevor was an amazing advocate for underground music um oh that's he, cool i don't yeah. know him but that's that's awesome to hear you know he he purposely yeah. picked bands that had no exposure to tour with them on their like national tours and stuff which is that's really, cool. really nice. and the local scenes yeah local that's scene awesome bands. That and he he actually wrote articles and submitted them to metal magazines covering bands that no one had heard of to get them. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, really cool guy. So it was sad when he passed. Yeah. He died. So was that yeah yeah yeah? Well, how long ago was that? Two years now, Brendan. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Um, he um yeah he committed suicide a couple of years ago in May. Oh, that's yeah, terrible. two years ago, and uh, it it shocked everyone because it kind of came out of left field from wow. a lot of people who knew him said they didn't see it coming. So it, it, it's, oh, it's man. a shame. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely um, one of those things that you just really never know what's going on with people. Sometimes, definitely. Right? Yeah, I I met him once, and he was like the nicest, friendliest dude. Like he was after a show, I said, "Hey, like love the set." And he's like, "Do you want to get a picture with me?" And 
he like offered <laughs> then took that's a picture awesome. with us and stuff. So yeah, really cool dude. That's awesome. Um, Brendan, did uh, did you have any food questions? I know we always have some stuff lined up there because you guys had some overlap. I heard before we started recording about a pizza place that's a, a must visit. Oh, <laughs> some Pepe's. Yeah, Pepe's. What's that about? Well, uh, what's your experience with Pepe's? That's uh, just probably my favorite. Frank Pepe's is probably my favorite pizza place in Connecticut. I mean, I'm I'm a pizza pizza snob. You know, I I go to mm-hmm. the park. American. I don't really love the pizza, but New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, man, we've we've got it. We've got it for pizza and bagels. I think. Absolutely, I I definitely think you're right about that. Um, there, yeah, Pepe's is awesome. Like New Haven, um, they have a couple new locations now, and uh, one's like right near me, so I'm super lucky about that. So I'm like, I can just get Pepe's whenever I want. Really, it used to be I have to go down to. You know, travel like half an hour, 40 minutes to go get there. No, it's more like an hour. But either way, um, yeah. So like pizza by um, the the coast of um, like, you know, Southern Connecticut, New York and all that. And uh, New Jersey, I feel like New Haven style pizza, which is Pepe's, is the ultimate style pizza. Now, I'll, I'll give you guys that. I, the pizza I've had in the Northeast is definitely better than anything else and i i've been throughout the southwest like i've been throughout the west coast and it's just not as good as the stuff in the northeast you know it in may when we uh meet up for maryland fest if i can i'm gonna fly a pizza to <laughs> us there's no good pizza in baltimore is that what you're saying <laughs> uh i'm not saying that there isn't any good pizza in baltimore but it's not a New Haven style pizza. They can try, but it's just not going to work. Dan, I, I realize we kind of haven't really talked about Hades yet. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that project? Well, that was the first band I ever started. And, uh, you know, I started that band before I even started playing guitar in 1978. Wow. Hades uh, started out as a cover band. And uh, we were on the first ever Megaforce compilation album, Born to Metalize, in 1983. Then we we're on Metal Massacre 6, 1984. And then Hades released our first album, Resisting Success, in February of 87. A year later, we did it for First You Don't Succeed. And then uh, we toured Europe and we broke up. And that's when I formed Nonfiction. But then Hades did get back together for three albums for Metal Blade in 1999, 2000, and 2001. And uh, most people know me as, you know, if, if they never heard my new bands, they, you know, they kind of know Hades. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. You've done such a variety of different things over the years. It's really cool to see this, like uh, your, your full discography spread across like, uh, laid out. Yeah. And Hades was a thrash band, but um, what's near and dear to my heart is, and you know, I've been pretty much playing like what, you know, what nonfiction started uh, when we started nonfiction in the summer of 89 it's it's kind of like similar to what i'm doing now it's kind of like these doomy drop tuning riffs and it's kind of where my heart is at so that's what i've been doing for most of this time since uh the summer of 89 is playing you know music that sort of sounds like what i'm doing now you know it's just that's Mm -hmm. what comes naturally to me brendan did you have any uh any other questions there before i hit the uh the big one Ooh, um no, we covered that. We're good there. I guess like, oh, New Jersey. Um, 
What's the big one? You'll see. I ask everyone that comes on the show gets asked this question, so it's a, it's a fun one. Okay, you well, know, I, got another, I got another interview at nine thirty, so let's hear the big one. All right, let's do the big one. Big one, <laughs> big one is if you were trapped on a desert island with only a solar powered discman and three CDs that you could listen to on repeat until you got rescued, what would you want to have with you? Very easy. ACDC Highway to Hell. Okay. Kiss. I mean, I don't know if am I allowed to put Kiss Alive on there because it's a double CD. If I'm not, I'll put that's, Kiss Rock all over. Okay. I'll allow it. So, so we'll go with Kiss Alive and Aerosmith Rocks. Okay. Classic rock vibes. Yeah. Nice. That'll be the chill time. Um, so nice. that was that was like uh, the final question, really. Uh, so we'll, we'll, last thing I want to ask you is, if people want to follow your social media, your projects, or like buy any of your music or anything like that, what's the best places for them to do that? Well, it's everywhere digitally. So it's Patriarchs in Black on Instagram. Uh, I'm Dan Lorenzo CK on Instagram. But the music is everywhere, you know, every single platform digitally for Patriarchs in Black, the CDs available, you know, whether you want to use Amazon or somebody who's more of a mom and pop place, which would be better for mom and pop. And then the vinyl for Reach for the Scars is out on Faster and Louder Records in the UK. And the German label, uh, Golden Core, are releasing the vinyl in uh, early of next year, hopefully, for um, my veneration. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That's really exciting. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate talking to you. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me. Hell yeah.